I'd like to invite all of the children to come a little bit closer to where I am on your screens. And imagine with me that you have a birthday and that you are having a birthday party. And you've decided that one of the things that's really important to you is that everybody have a special birthday hat to wear. And it's part of the plan. You're going to play a game with the birthday hats later in the party. So you send out your invitations, and some of your friends show up on the day of the party, and everybody gets a birthday hat. I know it looks like a coffee filter, but I've turned it into a birthday hat. But let's imagine there's one person who's come to the party who doesn't want to wear a hat. He says, no, I don't want to wear a stupid hat. I just want to come to the party and eat the cake. How would that make you feel? You've got this party and plans for everybody and, and something that you're asking everybody to do, but one of the people says, I am not wearing a hat. We've just heard a parable of Jesus that's, that's kind of hard to understand and a little bit confusing. But the last part of the parable made me think about this birthday hat. Jesus said that, Life with God is meant to be a party, a great celebration, and everybody's invited. And God wants us to be there at the party. And God wants us to do the things that God knows are good for us, to be kind and loving and generous. God wants us to, to put on God's hat and to be more like God. And there's a person in this story that Jesus tells who doesn't want to put on a wedding robe. It just makes me think about how that must make God feel. So hopefully we can hear this story and remember that we're all invited to be part of the party of God. And that in return, God wants us to try hard and be more like God. If any of you have a better birthday hat than this, please send it to me. <laughs> Well, once again, this morning in our scripture reading, we find Jesus at a party, or at least talking about a party. It seems to me from reading the Gospels that Jesus really liked a good party. The very first miracle he does in John's Gospel is at a wedding feast when the host has run out of wine and Jesus takes water and turns it into wine to keep the party going. Throughout the Gospels, we see him sitting at the table, feasting with all kinds of people. He sits at the table with the Pharisees and religious leaders, with Martha and Mary, with tax collectors like Zacchaeus, with his disciples. Sitting and feasting with friends was a really important part of Jesus' ministry. And the image of the dinner party, the image of the banquet, the feast, was one that Jesus returned to again and again and again in his teaching. And he does so this morning in the parable that we call the parable of the wedding feast. The kingdom of God, he says, may be compared to a wedding feast, which a king gave for his son. Now this parable appears in two different gospels in Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel. 
And if I'm going to be really honest, I sort of wish we were reading Luke's version today. But it's Matthew's version that's in the lectionary. Matthew's version of this parable is a lot harder to take and a lot harder to understand. There is violence. When those who are first invited to the wedding feast reject the king's invitation, on the third try, they kill the king's messengers. And then he sends troops to burn down their city. And it's hard to understand why, why Matthew would include these sorts of elements in the parable. And I would encourage you, because I'm not really going to do a deep dive into that part of the parable this morning, to do some reading on your own. Read some commentaries. Learn about the community that Matthew was writing to. And maybe there are some clues in that. But not only is that part troubling, in Matthew's version of the parable, he adds this second part that's not included in Luke's version. And it's that second part of the parable that I want to focus on this morning. So there's the wedding feast, and those who were originally invited to the feast have no interest in coming. They reject the king's invitation. They made light of it. They were casual about it. And so the king says, okay, go out and just invite anybody, good and bad, just bring them in off the streets. I want my hall to be full to celebrate my son's wedding. And so all these people are just brought in, all kinds of people, good and bad, the parable says. And the party's going on. People are singing, dancing, eating, feasting. And the king is making his way around the room, and suddenly he sees a man who's not wearing a wedding robe. And so he asked the man, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And the guy's like, uh, he doesn't know what to say. So the king throws him out. Where there is weeping and darkness and gnashing of teeth. Once again, a difficult part of this parable to understand. And on, on first reading, this seems really unfair. I mean, this guy has just been brought in off the street, right? How was he supposed to know he needed a wedding robe? And what if he's poor and the clothes he's wearing are the only clothes he has? Is the king so out of touch with his people that he doesn't even realize that not everybody has a tuxedo in their closet? Well, I think as we look at this parable and learn a little bit more about what weddings were like in Jesus' day, there's something about this that actually does make sense. You see, when someone hosted a wedding... If you didn't have a wedding robe, the host would provide you with one. They had robes ready at the door. And all you had to do was to take it and put it on. It reminds me of years ago when I was traveling in Italy and there were some churches, some cathedrals that if you wanted to go inside, you couldn't be wearing shorts, men or women, you couldn't be wearing shorts. And so on a day when we'd been walking around in the heat of summer and we didn't know that, we'd try to get in to tour the church and they'd say, no, you can't come in. But we will provide you with a wrap or for the men, we'll provide you with a pair of pants so you can come in. We want you to come in, but we want you to respect our culture and our way of doing things. Or someone in Bible study suggested it's like some of those nice restaurants who require men to wear jackets or sport coats. If you arrive at the door and you don't have one, they have a closet full of them right there. And you can wear one of theirs 
and you're welcome to participate because they want to set a particular kind of atmosphere in their restaurant. Well, a similar thing was happening at this wedding. The king had this great celebration and feast and he wanted everybody there and he wanted everybody to be part of the celebration and to wear a wedding robe. But for some reason, this guy rejects the wedding robe that's offered to him. He doesn't want to wear it. it he wants to come and, and eat the food and dance the jig and be part of the party, but he doesn't want to change. And suddenly this parable begins to sink in and feel really real. It seems that part of Matthew's intent in sharing this parable where he does in his gospel is to remind Christians, those who have accepted Christ and believe in Christ, that it doesn't just stop with accepting the invitation. We have to make a commitment to be transformed, to live into the life God calls us to, to live life on God's terms and in God's way. When we become a Christian, we commit ourselves to growing into the likeness of Christ. This morning, little Charlotte Jameson was baptized, and it reminded me that when in the early church someone was baptized, they would be given a white robe as they came out of the waters of baptism, they put on a new life. They put on Christ. And even today, Charlotte Jameson's wearing a beautiful white dress. We've kept that tradition. Because we understand that in baptism, there are parts, the old self dies with Christ and the new self is raised with Christ. And now we put on the wedding robe of Christ. And we spend our days living into and living up to the life that Jesus calls us to. I was raised in the United Methodist Church. And I remember in the earlier days of the old hymnal that we had when I was growing up, the liturgy of the baptism included a beautiful phrase that still comes back to me again and again. We commit as the congregation's vow to live lives that become the gospel for the sake of the child or for the sake of the person that's being baptized. To live a life that becomes the gospel. To live a life in which we allow God to challenge us and stretch us and transform us. I don't know about you, but there are times, especially in, in stressful moments like the one we're in, in these weeks, where I just want to sit down and read the Bible. I want to come into the church and just be comforted and just hear that wonderful good news we proclaim. God loves everybody unconditionally. You are beloved and held, and that is deeply true. It is a bedrock belief of who we are. You are loved by God exactly as you are. But like it or not, that's not the end of the story. Everybody coming into the wedding feast is not the end of this parable. There's more. There's an expectation 
There is an invitation to change, to allow the gospel of Jesus Christ, the teachings of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the expectations of life with God to challenge us and shape us and change our minds and broaden our understanding and widen the circle of who's included. Being part of the great party of the kingdom of God can be hard work at times. And so we need to see that this guest who rejected the wedding robe is not a good example for us. We need to be willing to enter into the feast on the terms of the host. I think perhaps the Apostle Paul put it best in his letter to the church in Colossae. He's reminding them of this robe of Christ that they put on in baptism. And he says to them, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves. And here's the robe that we hear in the parable. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness and patience. Bear with one another And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I haven't quite grown into my wedding robe. I'm still growing but I'm grateful to be at the party with all of you as all of us continue to be reminded that we belong at the party and as we continue to grow into this beautiful wedding robe that God has given us. Thanks be to God.